Welcome to the I Made This For You podcast with your host, Joel DeGenia. On today's episode, we have three-time NBA All-Star and Phoenix Sun shooting guard, Bradley Beal. I hope you enjoy. Bradley Beal, welcome to the I Made This For You podcast. I appreciate you. How are you? We're in Phoenix. Let's see. Phoenix has been great, adjusting well. This is like, we've been here for about two months now. Family's getting acclimated, uh, getting adjusted to the team. The weather's calmed down a little bit. Um, it's extremely hot, but it's totally, it's a totally different life than D.C., but Phoenix has been awesome. So I wanted you on the podcast because I told you this at your birthday dinner. I think that you changed my life in a big way. Um, I met you when I was 14, freshman in high school. I knew I wanted to get into journalism. I knew I wanted to do something with sports, but I wasn't really interested in basketball until you became a Washington Wizard. So I just have to like thank you because like my trajectory just like went whole 180. That's very humbling. Thank you. Since I met you. I appreciate that. I got to start thank off you. with saying that. And with that, you left the Wizards this summer. I feel like a lot of people tried to rewrite your career and tried to act like you didn't do anything significant. So my first question is, what do you think most people get wrong about you during your uh, entire career? I don't know. I don't, I don't really care about what other people think. I'll say that. Um, everybody's going to be entitled to their own opinion, and that's, that's great. And, uh, but it, it doesn't affect me one way or another. Like, I have a bunch of people who think I did awesome things. I have people who think I didn't do a damn thing, you know. So it's, it's you, you know, you take your highs with your lows. And, you know, when you stay true to who you are and the work you put in and, and uh, you know why you play the game every single night and you know that you give it your all, you live with your results, you know, win, lose, or draw. It's very hard to win in the NBA. Um, only one team wins at the end of the year. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the, it's, it's, it's very tough. But for me, I enjoyed my time in D.C. D.C. was awesome. We drafted a young 19-year-old on his birthday. Um, and I've had an awesome and amazing 11 years here. You mentioned getting drafted on your birthday. Do you have a song associated with that night or something significant that you remember in that moment that's like, wow, like I made it? Mm. In that moment, let's see, what was out at the time? Well, not at the time, just a song associated with that moment of just feeling like, I mean, besides Drake, I mean, you kind of just said it like we made it. But, um, what's a good song? I'm a big J. Cole fan. You know that, right? I do. You know that. J. Cole's my girl. Maybe 03 Adolescent. That's a good one. Is there any reason why you felt like that's the one? Uh, just feel like it was a, like you're growing up. You know, you're kind of leaving your, your adolescent stage, you know, your teenage years, and, uh, you know, you're kind of transitioning into what it's like being a man and, and kind of figuring that out on your own and uh, through life experiences. So Cole is always a storyteller. So that's my goal. Oh, no, wait. Um, you mentioned growing up. You grew up in St. Louis, and you mentioned what that was like because I feel like St. Louis gets a bad rep, but obviously you made it out. So what was that like? I mean, it's – I want to try to (laughs) – I love St. Louis. St. Louis is is, is part of my blood. Um, The bad rep St. Louis gets is just, you know, the violence and, um, you know, the unnecessary killings that we have in our city. And it's – Unfortunately, there's a lot of places like St. Louis. You know, um, D.C. is not too far off. 
in, in that fashion in some ways. And so it's it was very tough growing up, uh, just like anybody else, just like any other, any other hood in America. Um, you know, it's 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 it was tough. You know, we have five boys in the house, both parents married together, which was a blessing because we didn't see that every day um in society, especially at our age and in our community. Um, but you know, to have that example of two parents working the job and providing for us, like it, it kind of paved the way and the and the foundation for who we were to be as men. And you know, we credit we as brothers, we always credit our parents giving us an advantage that not a lot of families had um but it wasn't easy you know it's just like everybody else we had to grind and uh make do with what we had um, some days we didn't eat some days we didn't have heat and water and just like every like a lot of people in the world and and uh but we we pushed through like you said we made it through uh basketball was my outlet um you know away from all the distractions and the streets that can you know easily lure you in and I'm just grateful that I had a good family, you know, foundation and a good support system and a good circle that just kept me grounded. Um, and eventually I just wanted more for myself too, you know, as an individual. And I think at the same time, uh, you know, we we are a part of our situation. We're born into it, you know, and, and a lot of it is out of our control. But there are things that are in our control as well, you know, in life and, and certain paths we can choose. You have three boys. You're raising them in a completely different situation than you grew up with. How do you deal with that and how do you try to, I wouldn't say like grow them up to be humble human beings, but how do you deal with No, that's that exactly what I'm, what I'm trying to do. And that's an awesome question because I was talking to my mom about it honestly yesterday because we grew up with adversity, you know, with everyday life, you know, not being able to have certain things. And I was literally telling my boys this because they were, my boys were fighting yesterday, and one got pushed, but they all were fighting over one iPad, and they all have an iPad of their own, which is the most frustrating thing for me because us, we didn't have that stuff growing up. You know, we didn't know what it was like to have those things, and when we did get the opportunity to have it, man, we cherished it with, with everything we had. You know, we looked out for it, we protected it, we made sure that it was taken care of, charged, whatever. Mm-hmm. We took care of that, whatever it was. And my kids kind of have this, um, and granted, it's our fault as parents, but we they have this kind of false sense of reality that they're given everything and, you know, oh, I can get a new one or, oh, my parents will get it for me. And it's, it's not true. Like, you guys live a very fairy tale-ish life as kids. You know, it's not, yeah, it's real, but this isn't real for a lot of people in the world, you know, and this wasn't real for me as a kid. And so it's very tough to try to create those adverse times. And a lot of times it's us and me and Kamaya's parents saying, no, you know, you can't have this, you can't do that. And, you know, that'll come with time and obviously us, you know, growing and, and, and kind of seeing how they are as, as little personalities, little humans. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a blessing because I know I worked extremely hard to be where I am and to provide for them the way I can. And mm-hmm. so it's a tough, it's a very tough balance, but I know I still have to be able to create those humbling experiences for them to understand that this isn't this isn't everyday life for a lot of people you know so be grateful for that you know you do have but understand that you're here to bless other people do you think they're at the age where they realize who you are and they realize that you're proudly Beal, the basketball star not just their dad i think i think they they realize me as both mm-hmm. and it's kind of crazy for them at five and four and then obviously braxton he's one he doesn't 
he honestly he even may kind of have a feel of it but they see me play the game and they see me work out and they know that I leave and travel a lot so like they know that daddy plays basketball that's what he does but they also know that I'm dad they know that I'm fun they know that they can come to me about anything and uh the craziest thing they always want to learn you know whether it's whether it's something they bring with homework wise or drawing or whether it's sports and so I think that's very cool and to see that at a young age, like I didn't think I was like that at their age, but mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely cool to, to see that they can have that in their life. So you're teaching your sons about sports. Um, your mother taught you how to play basketball. Do you remember when you put the ball in your hand? Yep, I was, let me see, five years old, so about Deuce's age, um, on a little tyke hoop right in front of her bed, my parents' bed. I was sitting right in front of it every single night, and she would have me form shoot right in front of on a little tight suit. That was my first memory that I can remember of my mom teaching me every single night. When did you realize you were good enough to go to the league? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, in my mind, I felt like I knew when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I had one game where I had 52 points. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. As a, as a sophomore, it was a lot. Uh, and in that moment, I kind of knew, I knew that I could play D1 ball. I I take that back. At that moment, I knew I could play D1 ball. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until probably my senior year that I believed that I could truly go to the NBA. Mm -hmm. And it took for my, my AAU coach, uh, Rich Gray, rest in peace. Um, he, he told me when I was a sophomore, actually, that summer that I had an opportunity to make it to the NBA, right? He's coached Larry Hughes, David Lee, Darius Miles, you know, all legit legends of St. Louis to go through the same AAU program and play in the NBA. He looked me in my eye and told me, you can be the next Kobe Bryant. You can be the next Michael Jordan. I'm like, really? But I believed it. Like my parents instilled that in me when I was young. Like you can be that, you can do that. And like, obviously, you know, that's, that's what your parents are going to do. But to hear it from somebody who's literally helped other guys get there, I was like, okay, maybe he, he maybe he may be on to something, right? And my junior year and senior year, I took off and just continued to work, work my tail off. And my senior year is legitly when I knew I can go. Because you won National Gatorade Player of the Year that year, right? Yep. Um, when did Drew Hanlon come, with the, come into the picture? And what do you think mm. he helped hone in your skills when you were – a high schooler compared to now? Oh, great question. Drew came into my life when I was 14 years old. Drew is also from St. Louis. He attended Webster Groves High School, which is an unbelievably dominant sports high school in St. Louis. And uh, it's crazy because I would always watch him play against one of my older brothers, Bruce, in high school. So they were kind of the same age. Um, they would have unbelievable battles. Drew was one of the best players in the city. Um, and so it literally, like, I was always a fan of kind of how he played and just his, you know, Drew, Drew's like cockiness, like Drew was like, he's, he believes he's that guy. Right. And so to see that on the court, it was like, I can see, I like that. You know, he had a little, little grit to him. And sure enough, he, when he went to college, he became more of a student of the game and he found his passion in teaching it. And so every summer, like he went to Belmont University for college, he would come back home to St. Louis and 
have camps, have clinics, and wouldn't charge people for them. But he would just he would just work people out for free because that's something that he wanted to do. That's just what he loved. And it was literally when I was 14 years old, I remember going up to Webster's high school and he worked me out for the first time when Coach Gray sent me, he said, this kid has potential to be really good. So Drew put me through a workout. And when I say it was probably one of the hardest workouts I've ever been through in my life, like it was almost physically impossible to complete. But that was the purpose of it. Like he was pushing me mentally to see if I would even complete it and finish it. And granted, I did. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of sparked our relationship ever since then as a soft, freshman, sophomore in high school. And we've been side by side all the way up until this point now. Um, to see where my game has grown, Drew gets, Drew gets a, lot of that, a lot of that credit. You know, he's from just, I always say he and my mom. Like, they're, they're at the top of the totem pole. Like, my mom showed me, and still to this day, like, how to shoot the ball. Drew taught me how to learn the game, and how to play the game, and how to manipulate the game, right? How to make it work to my advantage and kind of be the player that I am today. And so the, I think the beauty about our relationship is we we are kind of both guinea pigs, right? Drew worked out me and David Lee, right? He, David Lee was like his first NBA guy. And so that kind of sparked our relationship just to kind of grow and, and really push each other to be the best at a trainer and player. And we just push each other every single year, every single day to just learn the game and get better. So our relationship with Drew, you know, from high school to college to now in the NBA is just is significantly grown. We've just became better students of the game. We've tried to see how we can push each other and elevate both of our careers. He is a trainer and me as a player. And sure enough, like, look, like he's turned into a whole brand now. Like, we probably didn't imagine that. Like, we dreamt, we dreamt it, like, but we wouldn't picture ourselves, me being a three-time All-Star, being in the league 12 years. Like, we didn't, we didn't, we pictured it but we didn't think it was possible you know so it's it's a blessing to be where we are and to see that we still push each other and motivate each other your recruiting process you ended up at florida but what other schools did you look at and i know that candace was the first offer because i did my research your mom said that you either had to pick basketball or football and the first offer that you were going to get that's the sport that you were going to choose so i have a great i'm going to tell you a great story that's a great I'll tell you a great story. So when I was in eighth grade, right, we played in a basketball tournament. I didn't play with the Eagles yet. I still play with uh, a team called Team St. Louis. Um, it's one of my youth teams that I play with from man, third grade probably all the way up to the Eagles. We were in a tournament in Illinois, and I had a really good game. I had like six to eight threes or something like that as a like a like a seventh eighth grader, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden. When I get home, I get a phone call from some raspy voice, right? And so on the phone, it was Bruce Weber, right? Bruce Weber was the head coach at Illinois at the time. And so he's like, hey, Brad, how you doing? It's like, he's like, I'm a huge fan of watching your game. He's like, I can't believe that you're in eighth grade. And he was like, 
I don't do this. And he said, I, I've, I've never done it in my life. He said, I'm not going to do it today. He's like, I'm not going to offer you a scholarship. He said, but the day that you become a freshman, you're getting a scholarship. I was 13. I feel like that would go to my head. It obviously didn't go to your head. In some ways, it did, but it didn't. Like, I have great parents. Like, And the blessing about me is I had two older brothers to learn from, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of five boys, so I'm smack dead in the middle. So I had two older brothers to see go through the recruiting process, go through what it was like getting on campus. Like, cause I was a part of all that. I would go with my parents and drop them off at school and do all that. So I got to see firsthand kind of what it was like and to see if a coach was BSing you in a meeting or if he was genuine or if, you know, just kind of see what everything was like. And it kind of eased my processes and ability to be able to kind of navigate what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, as you know, when I turned to, as, as a freshman, Kansas was the first official school uh, to offer me after a team camp um, as a freshman. And so fast forward throughout my high school career, I got a lot of offers from, I mean, every school in the country. I could have went anywhere I wanted to go. Um, but my top five, were Florida, Kansas, Duke, Illinois, and Ohio State. Those are my five. Ohio State, I love. I love that model. He was a great coach. They had a great program. Evan Turner was there. I think Greg Oden was just the number one pick. Uh, Mike Conley was there. They had a lot of guys who were like really talented. Sully was there. So it was it was really talented. Like I was excited about it. Illinois. I love Bruce Weber. It was very close to home from St. Louis, so it was like a three, four-hour drive to Champaign. Uh, Duke. Duke Brotherhood. It's crazy because growing up, I loved watching J.J. Redick, Jason Williams, Chris Duhon just kill everybody. Like, there was nothing more fun. And one person my mom used to always make me watch shoot was J.J. and just his form and his mechanics and everything. And to see that number four, the cutoff sleeves, like JJ was one of my favorite, one of my favorite college players growing up watching for sure. And so Duke, Duke was low key my dream school. Did they try to bring JJ in your recruiting process being like, um, come here? Was, no, no, I don't think JJ was a part of it. I don't think JJ was. But Coach K was awesome. The whole recruiting team was, was unbelievable. It was very fun. Uh, Kansas. Kansas was tough because Kansas was very close to home. It was three, four hours away, just like Illinois. Kansas was very good in basketball. It's obviously the mecca of basketball. Mm-hmm. It was it was very hard not to pick Kansas. And so here's here's the ultimate story of how I picked Florida. No one knew, but I, I silently committed to Florida as a sophomore. How do you do that? It's It's... It, it exists, but it doesn't exist, right? So I literally, my parents don't know. I literally, after, like, I go through visits and I take unofficial visits and I'm talking. This is when I'm a sophomore. I'm talking to all the coaches. And they're all kind of, like, giving me, like, guarantees and promises. I'm like, I don't like that. Like, I've seen that happen to my older brother. Mm-hmm. And he, like, fought and clawed, like, to play, to compete, like to get an opportunity. And I'm like, I don't want that. Right. I don't lie to me. Like shoot me straight. 
And Coach Donovan was like the only coach who said, Brad, I'm not guaranteeing you anything. I'm not going to guarantee you're going to start. I'm not guaranteeing you playing time. I'm not guaranteeing you're going to score a lot. He said, but one thing I will promise you is that you will get better every day and you will be a man by the time you leave here. Mm -hmm. And I immediately, as a kid, I said, no, I want to go play for him. Right. And I was a sophomore. So I literally went in my room one night, grabbed my phone, called Coach Donovan. I said, Coach, I want to come to Florida. He was like, wait, you, you want to commit to Florida? I said, I want to commit to Florida. He's like, are your parents there? I said, no, this is me talking to you. I want to come to Florida. He's like, I appreciate that, Brad, but I also want you to like talk to your parents about it and make sure, you know, you're a hundred percent. I said, coach, I'm a hundred percent. He was like, all right, this is what we'll do. He says, I know you'll come here. He said, when you feel like you come here, you'll sign the papers, right? Sign your letter of intent. Let me know that you come here, right? And so fast forward, I go through visits. Like I go to visits to other schools. Like I'm still entertaining other schools, still trying to figure out the process. Mm -hmm. But in my heart, I'm like, I know I'm going to Florida. Like I'm, I'm not enjoying this. Like I know I'm going to Florida. Right? And sure enough, as a junior, when I turned to junior, I said, no, I'm, 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 I'm coming out. I'm committed. So mm -hmm. I, I verbally open, came out and openly committed. But the day I had to sign a letter of intent was one of the hardest days ever in my life. So that morning, well, the morning before, mind you, my parents, I talked to my parents the night before, and I told them, my mom asked, she said, where are you going to school? She wanted me to go to Kansas. And in her deepest hearts of hearts, she knew I was going to Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. There was no like question about it. So the night before, like, I can just, like, see the pain in her eyes if I told her no. I said, yeah, I'm going to Kansas. I told my mom the night before, I'm going to Kansas. So the next day of school, I'm just, I'm walking around. I'm nervous as I don't know what because I'm, like, I just messed up in the biggest way. Like, my mom for sure. And she asked me that morning before I left where I'm going. And I said mm -hmm. Kansas again. So I'm, like. I really just double, I just double down on, on this Kansas. Thing. So fast forward, I'm going through school. I'm just nervous. I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't stomach this. So we have, we have our commitment. We have our, our signings. So I have my five schools. I have all my hats lined up and I throw away the Ohio State, throw away Illinois. People like gasp when I threw away the Duke hat. And it was down to Florida and Kansas. And so I looked at the, I picked them both up. I looked at my mom who was sitting front row. <laughs> I looked right at her and I like tossed the Kansas hat and I put on the Florida hat. My mom didn't clap. She stood up and walked straight out the door. When I say that was probably one of the most crazy, heartbreaking moments for me, but I knew I had to make that decision. Yeah. As much as it dawned on me, like I had to make that decision. I'm only laughing because I know your mom and like I can picture yeah. her doing that. Yeah. Um, you can see that. But that takes a lot of 
courage. And I don't know if I would have been able to make that decision and like disappoint. Listen, at the time, she didn't talk to me for two months until that's it was, like the whole summer of you. Uh, yeah, until it was time belief. for me to go to school. That's literally like she was mad. She was beyond peed off. But obviously, going to Florida worked out because you had crazy like March Madness run. So ironically. Everybody kind of frowned upon Florida because they already had like five guards mm-hmm. there, right? They had like two, three seniors, like a couple of other upperclassmen, sophomores, like, and I was a freshman coming in. And everybody's like, why would you even go down there? Like, and feather with them, like, you're going to be in school for five years. Like, why would you do that? And it was just my competitive nature. Like, I just wanted to go compete. I wanted to go, like, learn from Coach Donovan. I felt like he was the best coach that put guards in the NBA. Mm-hmm. and being the guys he played in the NBA as well himself, I'm like, that's where I want to learn from. That's that's where I'm going. And so he, Billy was unbelievable for me. Like, for me to go to Florida, that was, I'll do it all over again. Does it ever trip you out when you're playing against his team, knowing that, and then the now knowing that, like, you were coached by him? All the time, because it's, it was a bittersweet, right? Because I was only there for a year, mm-hmm. and I say six months. Right. It was a very short time that we had together. And that's that's I don't have regrets in life, but that's something I wish I can I can get more time with him as my coach because he was unbelievable. He always pushed me. He was helped helped me learn the game and see the game in different ways as a guard. Um, how to study the game in film. Like he was he was perfect. He was um, he was unbelievable. Were you thinking about running it back? Or did you automatically knew that you were going? Great question. So I literally waited until the deadline day to decide what I was going to do. Like I was that like strong minded that I want to come back to school. Right. And like you said, I had a really good March Madness run. We made it to the Elite Eight. Made it to the Elite Eight. Or we, we played great for 32 minutes. And the last eight, Louisville just kicked our butts. So we lost to Louisville in the lead eight. And I'll never forget the first question after we lost was, okay, Brad, so what are you going to do? Are you going to go to the NBA? Or you... How can you even make that decision on the spot? I didn't. And I was beyond, like, that frustrated me because I wanted to win and we were that close from the Final Four where we'd play Kentucky probably for the fourth time that year mm-hmm. and have a chance to go to the national championship. After the tournament and all the dust kind of settles, you know, draft noise becomes, you know, comes to the surface. I was projected a top three pick. And my mom, she was like, go, you're going to the league. Like, no, you're going. Like, mm-hmm. there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. She was like, this is your dream. Don't pass up on your dream. But I would literally tell my dad, I'm like, I really want to go back and win a championship. Like, we're, we were that close. Like, we were that close. And we're bringing the majority of our, like all of our team back, we recruited well. And I'm like, we will have a legit chance next year. Mm-hmm. And the last day, I, I'll, I'll never forget this day. Um, I went to Coach Donovan's office and I sat there and I said, Coach, I cried. I said, Coach, I don't know what to do. I said, I have no, I said, I got to decide in the next hour, two hours. I said, I have no idea what to do. I sat there and cried. I said, I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. And he literally looked at me. He said, Brad, you have to go. I'm not allowing you to come back here. 
It's like your your projected top three pick, son. He's like, this is your dream. You have to go. And to hear that, like, I start crying even more because I'm like, dang, coach, like, you don't want me to come back. But at the same time, like, that was very uplifting because I had so much stress and so much pressure on my shoulders of just making that decision. It was like, what do I do? Like, because mm-hmm. I enjoyed being coached by you. I enjoyed being in Florida. I enjoyed being a student. And I also see that my dream is also right in front of me. That, mm-hmm. that like, the NBA player that Coach Gray told me that I can be, like, it's right there. And to hear Coach Donovan tell me to go, like, that hurt, but it also uplifted me into knowing that, okay, it's okay to go, and now it's time to work. Do you have a song associated with your time at Florida? I know you said O3 Adolescence for your draft. This might be a curveball, but I would say, I was going to say DMX Slipping. I was going to ask you about DMX because I saw you tweet about that song when you passed away, but I didn't know if that was like too personal, so I was like, let me, let me leave that one. That song is, is one of the best songs to listen to, like when I'm going through something, because mm-hmm. it just talks about adversity and fighting through adversity the entire time. And I felt like that was me at Florida. Like mm-hmm. at Florida for the first time, like outside of what we, what adversity truly is in the everyday life of struggles and not having things, I dealt with adversity in basketball mm-hmm. and in school and in juggling life as an adult. And so for me, that was very hard. Like, to do like in high school I was the man like I averaged 30 points a game I can kill everybody like mm-hmm. it's just it was a natural thing for me to do but when you go to college everybody's good everybody's fast everybody jumps high everybody's strong in the weight room like you aren't the cream of the crop anymore you know so you have to work that much harder and for me it wasn't about the work because I had the work ethic I didn't get the results that I necessarily wanted mm-hmm. right and so I didn't think I like I didn't shoot it well at all. I shot like 30% from the field or 30. I know I shot like 30% from three. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And from the field may have been a little bit better, but my numbers weren't crazy. I averaged 13 points, like seven rebounds, and five assists. Mm-hmm. Like it was very like solid numbers. There wasn't nothing crazy. And so for me, I was like the whole year, it was very tough because on campus you'd hear oh brad's one and done oh there's one like that was my name like there's one and done what's up one and done like and that for me as a young kid it it was like oh man like that's i don't want to hear that like because i'm trying to be better like i want to be here for my team like i'm I'm a team player like i'm not just here for a year like i'm thinking i'm here to win a championship and multiple championships Mm -hmm. but when you hear that every single day like that took a toll on me mentally And so for the first time, like, I deal with other opposing fans. Like, this is like when Twitter just became about, right? I never forget this. We played Ohio State, and I was getting death threats for not picking Ohio State the night before the game, right? Because they were in my top five. We play Ohio State that year at Ohio State. I'm coming to your hotel. I'm like, what is this? Like, so I've started dealing with stuff I've never dealt with before. And it was a very... It was it was a it was a shift for me. Like I had to learn how to grow up and fast because I went to school in Florida. St. Louis is eighteen to twenty four hours away. Mom and dad ain't a phone call away no more, champ. Mm-hmm. Like you pick this school, it's time for you to be a big boy. And adversity and growing up was was my life lesson at Florida. So slipping is my my song. 
Um, you mentioned getting death threats on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think I am always curious about Twitter because I don't like to admit this. I might have sent hate tweets back in my day. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but do they teach you something about that? Because a player that I am always so curious about, now that he's on your team and your teammates, I always think about Grace Nallen. And I don't think Grace Nallen had a fair college experience when it came to hate. But one, did they teach you about that? And two, what is Grace Nallen like as a teammate and as a person? Um, We're all over the place. But. <laughs> uh it's funny because Grayson didn't get a fair rap sheet. You know, everybody everybody calls Grayson a dirty player. Uh, I've I'm I'm at fault of, of calling him that because I've had two run-ins with Grayson, like where I felt like he's he he was in a wrong, but he's literally in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. He's not a dirty player. Like sometimes it's literally just weird that he may trip and you fall over him. Like it's ironic, like. Honestly, I don't think he means it. Like, and to be his teammate now, and to play against him and compete with him like every single day because he's he's super talented. You don't get that vibe. Mm-hmm. You don't get that vibe at all, right? And he's an unbelievable person. He's a Florida guy, like which I learned. Like he's from Jacksonville, which is cool. Like I love everything about Florida. So, like I've learned a few things about him and. Grayson's awesome, man. Like he's he's a cool dude, and he has a lot of swag on that court, which I love, and I think that's what a lot of people don't like. But he got swag. So we went to the first home opener. He was nice. He was pretty nice. That was the first time I. You know what I'm saying? Grayson like, Allen. Grayson got game. He got he got real game, and and people gonna wake up sooner or later. Like maybe his role might have been a little different. You know, when he was in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. you know, they might have just you know just shoot the three, but he can. He can put it on the floor and, and, and make plays for people. You love to have him on your team. Opinion change. Love to have him. I was a great Snellen hater. I'm no longer a hater. I literally would be like, I love. So I like Christian Leitner. And a lot of people would be oh like, how God. do you like Christian Leitner? Like, <laughs> but listen, I like someone who embraces being a villain. And I feel like Christian Leitner just like embraced that role. Sure. So. so you like Dylan Brooks. Oh yeah, I think he, I think he's good for the game. I love a good <laughs> villain. Good who's like, I think he's good for the game. Like, who else is going to be obnoxious about LeBron James? So back to college a little bit, you declare that you're going to the draft. What was your draft process like? Who did you work out with? Ooh, draft process. That was fun. Um, But it wasn't like most guys. I was blessed uh, when you were a top pick, projected top pick. I didn't have as many workouts as everybody else. I, I had legitly three workouts. Wizards, Cleveland, I worked out for somebody else. Who had the fifth pick? Oh, okay. Sacramento, but I don't. I don't remember going to Sacramento. No, no, Charlotte Wizards. I'm drawing a blank. Charlotte Wizards, Cleveland. That's who it was. Cleveland. Cleveland was the third one. Cleveland had the fourth pick. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I worked out for those three teams. Uh, Did interview processes with all of them. all fun, all super competitive. I think the Wizards, I had a workout by myself. Um, but in Cleveland, I worked out against Harrison Barnes, which was super competitive. And in Charlotte, I worked out against Gilchrist, which was super competitive too. Um, they were fun though. It was an unbelievable process. Uh, granted, mine was short. So a lot of guys' stories would be a little different. 
but I worked out with Josh Oppenheimer. Josh, I'm not sure. I think he's still a player. I think he's a player, the head player development coach in Milwaukee right now. Uh, but at the time, he worked me out pre-draft uh, with my agent, Martin Bartlestein, up in Chicago. And he helped my game, my ball handling, take take it up a notch for sure. What's the interview process like? Because I'm always so curious about that. Because like, what can they be? Are they just testing you for character? Oh, uh, like, you get a lot of questions. Like you get a lot of personal questions, um, questions about your family, about your past, about that hate tweet that you put it out um, a few a few months ago. My fault. Uh, they question a lot of stuff, you know, and I, I think that's, that's like why, I, you know, I do a lot of youth basketball stuff. That's why I try to preach to the youth. Like you have to be very cognizant of how you carry yourself, what you do, the people you hang around, um, because all of those questions will be asked and that can affect your draft stock, unfortunately. You were trending under this summer or last summer about your talk with your, uh, your AAU that was team. Old, man. That was that was so old, but but it was like resurface. Oh, it's, it resurfaces every, every 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 month. It feels like. Why do you think people reacted the way they did? Because you were like cursing them out, but like you weren't being rude. You're just like you need to wake up. Oh, that was listen, listen. That was light. That that was light compared to. No, I'm kidding. Um, a lot of people have. I've seen more positive reactions than negative. Mm-hmm. Um, the way my mom talked to me, I. We can't put that on nobody's camera. Like how we were, how I was coached coming up, that doesn't necessarily exist in today's world. And I'm like, you know me, like I'm very old school kind of by nature. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very rooted and like grounded into what my parents instilled in me and how they raised me and how my grandmother and grandpa raised me. Like I have some of that old spirit in me, right? I have some of that old soul. And so I incorporate. Like, cause I can relate to the younger generation closer in age. Yeah. I'm hip. I know what's going on. Um, but I'm also can be firm. I also can get a, get a point across to you because a lot of times in our false sense of reality, like that's what we give our kids. You know, we, we don't give it to them straight. Like how their boss is going to do one day, you know, how their coach is going to do, how their teacher is going to do. Like there are no shortcuts. Like there is no, reward for you know lackadaisical work or for half-assing or for just mediocrity like that doesn't that doesn't exist in the real world like you don't get rewarded for that i think we we kind of get a little soft-minded in that and oh you know you gotta coddle and and pat on the back like yeah the encouragement is there but there's times and places for that right and there's also times and places to be stern and firm and to get kids to understand you and get a point across like i got three kids I had four kids from that team, maybe more, five or six kids go D1 and two are in the NBA. So it works. It works. You know, like it's not for everybody, but the ones that accept it as criticism, as strictly constructive criticism, those are the ones that they make it. But the ones that take everything personal, like if you just hear the tone of my voice or you just hear the curse words instead of, the, the meat of what, you know, we're giving to you, like, that, that defeats the purpose. Is coaching something that you're looking into post-career? It's something that I'm flirting with. Um, I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to do post, post-career. post um, 
It's a lot of hats I, I kind of want to wear, but my mom was a coach. Mm-hmm. She coached me. She taught me. Um, Drew's a coach. Being around Drew a lot. Um, it's weird. Like, I kind of have it by nature in some ways. I just love to help people. I love to encourage people. I love to teach, teach things. And that kind of falls in the line of coaching, you know, and um, obviously love being around sports. And so I try to see if it's something that I love to do or something I can see myself doing, but it's very, it requires a lot of patience, a lot of time, even more time than probably what I did as a player, you know, in terms of preparation, like it's a whole different mindset and a whole different ball game, but it's something I'm trying to figure out. For sure. I feel like you'd be a good coach. I think so. Now, what level is, that's the, that's the ultimate question. Because I don't think I can do the NBA. Nah, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with too many egos. <laughs> Listen, we got too many egos, man. I'm not, we're not dealing with that. We're not dealing with that. This summer, there was a tweet saying that you and Cooper Flagg were playing one-on-one mm-hmm. and that you cursed him out a little bit. Like, was that true or no. exaggerated? No, that's very much exaggerated. Um, Cooper is an awesome player. I'll say that. Coop, you're my guy. Congrats on going to Duke, by the way. Granted, you know how I feel about Duke. But congrats, brother. Um, no, it was very exaggerated. Um, but it was, we were playing five on five uh, against the top elite high school kids in the class. Cooper, obviously, number one kid. A lot of talent in the gym. A lot of talent in the gym. Those kids are obviously next up. They were competing. We were talking trash. But we didn't, we didn't disrespect each other. We didn't play one-on-one. We didn't cuss each other out. That didn't happen. We're circling it back because we haven't really talked about the Wizards as much as I'd like okay. to. let's do it. Um, so you get drafted on your birthday. What was that like? Obviously, you said it, like, it was a surreal moment. You made it. But what was that first year like? And was it a hard adjustment or was it easy because you had that college experience? DMX. Slipping. Slipping. <laughs> More adversity. More slipping. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was more adversity. Like, so I go from, I win a state championship in high school as a sophomore. I was 30, I was 27 and one as a senior. I lost my last game, unfortunately. We were that close. Undefeated. Undefeated year. But I won everywhere in college. We won. We waited to the lead eight. Mm -hmm. I won everywhere. Right. There's a blessing and a curse of being one of the top picks in the NBA. Because right. you got drafted number three, by right. the way. Yep. I went number three. And the Wizards at the time were in a rebuild. Which, honestly, every team in the top five, six were, that year were in a rebuild. Right? You got a good draft class. New Orleans, AD. Gilchrist, two to Charlotte. I went three to Washington. Deion Waiters went four to Cleveland. T. Rob went five to sack. I think Austin went six. No, Dame. Dame went six to Portland. Seven of them on Frank Park. Your second seven? Oh, uh, Harrison Barnes. HB. Harrison yep. Barnes is number seven. Yep. HB went seven. Terrence Ross is number eight. T. Ross went eight. Andre Drummond's number nine. Austin, ten. Austin's ten. Austin was ten. Myers, learned was in your draft class. Yeah, Illinois. Yeah, Big Myers. Mm-hmm. Had a good class. Had a good class. Solid class. Andreman was thirty-five. Damn. I, 
<laughs> man, hey, listen. Draymond let the world know, man. Give me that opportunity. It's crazy. So Draymond, man. Draymond took advantage of his opportunity. For sure. He came in. It's so unfortunate. David Lee. D. Lee's my brother. He knows it. D. Lee got hurt one year for Golden State. D. Lee was an all-star. Sure enough, here comes the second-round pick. Just changed the whole dynamic of how we play basketball now. It is crazy. I am a Draymond Green truther. I feel like you talk about villains. I think he's like oh, yeah, top. Yeah, he embraces it. Top villain. He embraces it. He I also embraces. think it's so funny. So you got a lot of hate for podcasting during the playoffs. I'm like, it's not affecting his game. Listen, we are humans. You know, we are human beings. We have hobbies. We have things we love to do. You know, we, 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 basketball is our job. You know, this is, this is our job. You know, we work extremely hard at it. But there, there's also a life outside of that. Like when you go home, right? When you have a family, when you just relax or you just like to go and just be a normal citizen of the United States of America. So I don't know how like you feel about it, but I feel like it would also be really hard to be in a sport that you love and you're also a fan of the game and you want to witness so many moments, but you can't. And I'm thinking about how he wanted to go watch LeBron break the scoring record. But like, obviously, Steve Kerr was like, that, you can't do that. That's like not a good look, which like fair enough. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough because the, the game has so many talented players and us as players now, we've grown the game to where like, it's a true brotherhood. Like, yes, we compete, but we res- we respect each other. Like, there's love for each other. You know, we hang out with each other in the summers, you know, off the court. Like, there's there's true bond and there's true relationships in this in this league. And I think there's some that we just always just constantly embrace. And like, yeah, we have those moments where, like, I got one with Jason. Like, mm-hmm. I can't go see everything that, you know, that he's doing and what, you know, what he's accomplishing. But there are moments where, hell, Man, this is my brother. I've I've known him since we were this tall. I'm gonna go support him. I'm gonna go watch him in the finals. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. I've never been to the finals, right? Nobody from St. Louis that I know has been to the finals. So let's go, let's go do it. You know, so that's that's very, very I get it, but it's like it's just weird to me because I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. That's it is a little weird, but I'll say be yourself, man. Um, Show you love. Give people their flowers. Back to the wizards. Your first year. Who was Nick Young on that team still, or was he? No, I didn't get. I didn't get Nick. I didn't get Nick. Nick was gone. Nick was gone. Javale was gone. Blatch was gone, and Gil was gone. So I came literally the year after all the madness. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that first year, slipping DMX. It was diverse because, like I said, we won at every level: college, high school. Then I get to Wizards, and we lose. 18 straight games. I cried a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I had guys in the locker room looking at me like, Man, what's, what's wrong with this kid? Like, mm-hmm. and But for me, it was an eye-opener. In that moment, when I looked around and I was the only one like crying, I said, I said, damn, am I the only one that cares? But at the same time, you understand and you learn that this game is a business. Mm-hmm. A business. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right? And so, yeah, you have your players that are passionate. Like, we compete. Like, I'm not sitting there saying we don't go out and try our best and compete. But when you're in a, a losing situation, that is very drowning. That is very, that, that, that drains the energy 
out of everything that you want to do, right? Like mm-hmm. you look forward to May, like you look forward to that, right? And so that, for me, that was an adjustment, right? That w- I like, I had to understand like, yeah, we're not that talented. I think John started the year, he was hurt. Nene started the year, he was hurt. We didn't have them for like 15 games, right? Mm-hmm. So we, I'm like, we started off on a very, very rough patch, right? And it was tough because it was like, here, we're throwing Brad in a fire. And I'm like, I got to figure out all this stuff figure out how to be a pro, figure out how to carry a team at 19 and figure it out on the fly. Like, I'm like, this is a lot. This is a lot. This is a lot. But, you know, I, I tried my absolute best to make it work. And granted, that first year was definitely a learning experience. Do you think there was any, out of all the teams you played for, what team do you think had the chance to win a championship? And like, when did you, did you ever feel like you could actually bring a championship to DC? I felt like, I felt like there were a couple of times. I felt like my second and third year in the league, I felt like we had chances when we made it to the second round and competed against, who was that? I think the first year was Indiana. We took Indiana to like six games. Mm-hmm. Who Frank Vogel was the coach of, of that team. Uh, unbelievable series. Like that was, that was fun. Who did we play the second year? My third, my third, my second and third year, we made the playoffs. We played Chicago. Then we played, oh, no, Atlanta. That's who it was. Mm. Man, those battles with Atlanta. So, yeah, the first year it was Indiana. And the second year it was Atlanta. We played Chicago and then Atlanta. So when I like ask questions about, because I think about the Wizards a lot, because I spent a lot of my time in Capital One Arena. Um, like I'm trying not to be like, funny during this time. Well, what's like the Wizards culture like if you could describe it? Because I feel like the environment that you play in, like it can't be great as a player because every time that I was in a game, I felt like yeah. there was no Wizard fans. It was always the opposite team cheer. Mm-hmm. Like whoever the team was, yeah. it wasn't yeah. for the Wizards. That was, that was one thing about DC that was very tough. And granted, so I'll, start, I'll rewind, rewind to answer your question first. The DC culture always changed, right? And that's because that's what's tough when you have so much change in personnel every year, you know, you change out players and it's granted we had our core and John and I and eventually Otto. And I feel like in, in those years, we, we for sure had a core. Cool, I'll, I'll take that back. I would say our culture from Randy Whitman's time. I had three different times. Mm-hmm. Randy Whitman's time. We were a very defensive minded brute culture team. Mm-hmm. Like when I first came into the NBA, we had, Two big men. We had Nene and Emeka Okafor. We played through them. Like, it wasn't played through John and Brad. Mm-hmm. Give them the ball, and we're going to work out of that. Like, I came into a league where it was two big men. Like, we played that my first two, three years in the league. That's how the NBA was. Um, Scotty's years, Scotty's years were my most fun years. Because that's when I, like, transitioned from running the floor with John being a catch and shoot guy to being a more evolved off the handle ball player, kind of like I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, Wes's period was very short, which is tough. And I feel like we had a lot of change in that. And that was, it's always, it was, it was a rough patch because it was a new situation. Granted, it was Wes's first year as a head coach. Um, we had a lot of new faces that year. Um, 
Yeah, that was post you know, post rush trade. So yeah, it was a lot of new faces in it on the team, and it was it was hard to hard to adjust to that. Like we didn't our that team that year didn't really mesh in jail that well, and but those years it was I would say the last two years Scotty's years were more offensive minded. Like we're going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Like he was very offensive. Go 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 go. Wes was more. Wes was more had more of a defensive approach, but our team was too offensive minded, and so that was a very tough balance for everybody to to try to control. And we kind of ran that into the ground. There was, what was like the slogan for uh, you and John as a backcourt? Because I remember there was one point period of time where, as a fan, like the Wizards were you like know, really really fun to watch. It felt like you had to like be there to actually understand. Hundred percent. Um. I have no idea. It was a couple of different names. Yeah. Despite was, despite what people might think, being in the Verizon Center at times, it was like really, really exciting and really, really Listen, fun. we brought exciting basketball. Like, granted, I know we had our times. We we were we had some down years right. for sure. But for the most part, there were some exciting, exciting times and exciting basketball played in Cap 1. In the I Center. literally bought an I called game or I called bank shirt. I've only worn mm. it one time. Like I remember buying it as soon as it was available because that moment was like top five. You asked what teams I feel like had a chance to win a championship. Yeah. The team, my second year in the league, mm-hmm. that team in 2017. 2017, obviously we know play Boston. Yes. Went seven. That team was really special. That team was really, that, like, really special. That moment was, because I remember game six like really, really well. Like, you guys all walked in with the black suits and everything it was fun it was i have that video in my phone fun <laughs> like times john being on the table and yep. just being like so it was so fun it was fun times fun hoops man it killing us <laughs> he killing us in the playoffs uh, john and i rallying forcing a game seven and that game seven was unbelievable boston's like unbelievable Boston's different. We were at that game for game seven, and I'm not going to say I felt hate crime, but I can't imagine <laughs> being a player because I was there in my Wizards year. I'm just like, I don't know if I feel safe. Like, what is that? Boston fans get, like they get a little a nasty. Player. They get a little nasty. Uh, Have you ever had like any that's, incidents in Boston? <laughs> uh, no. Um, I don't have really many incidents with fans. Like I, I embrace the trash talk. Like it's a part of the game, you know. Yeah. As long as we just keep it hoops, you know, keep it respectful, like keep the fam out of it, and you know the disrespectful terms. Like you can cuss at me, like you can yell at me. That's cool. Like you can say I suck all you want. Like mm-hmm. I'm cool with all that. But I'm gonna talk back though. Isn't this gonna be as fun. you should? So you mentioned John. How would you describe your relationship, and what's something that people get wrong about it? Our relationship is great. And I feel like everybody always feels like it's rocky or they don't like each other. Like that was, man, that was uh, years ago, mm-hmm. years ago in our immature times of wanting to be the man of the team. Like, like that was, that was so, uh, so old. Like we've grown, like we both have families, we got kids. Like we, we've, we've surpassed that. Like we're brothers. Like I've talked to John last week. Like John's great. You know, there's, we're true brothers, man. We've we've been there for each other in our highs and lows. You know mm-hmm. that'll never change. Our brotherhood is is strong. What did you learn from playing with John Wall, Paul Pierce, and Russell Westbrook? 
those are like just few players that come to mind, but like out of those three. Three completely different players. Yep. Three different minds, three different personalities. Um John, I learned how to see the floor playing with John. That's one of the biggest things that I took away from him. Um and it's crazy. I was watching I was watching like one of our old sixteen I think it's fifteen, no, sixteen, seventeen years. Um clips and just the way he just has his court vision was crazy. The way he was able to just make crisp passes on the spot, on the money to you. And all you got to do is rise up and shoot. Like his court vision is what I loved. I loved about it. Like granted, you can't copy his speed. You can't copy that explosion, his athleticism, but to see his vision and the way he's able to pass and see, see plays develop before they develop. That's a skill. That's a skill. Um, and I admired that about it, about him. Uh, Paul, P. Pierce, the thing I loved about him, uh, besides his work ethic, because he stayed true to his routine every single day, was one, his confidence level. Cause he always felt like, like he's the truth, right? So he walked like that and carried himself that way. Um, but, I think it was like, honestly, I think it was more or less just his, his knowledge of the game, right? Because we got P when he was a little bit older, right? Mm -hmm. But he was so knowledgeable of the game at just how to win basketball games, how to, how to manipulate things, how to make things work for you. And the ultimate thing was all about getting to your spot, right? That's something I learned from P. Get to your spot, rise up, get to your spot, get to your spot. Yeah, that was his game. Like he wasn't going to crisscross you and mix you. Like he wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he was six eight. He was strong. He used his shoulder, get space, pump fakes. Like he had a solid game that you ain't need much for it. Like this is what I got. I'm gonna give it to you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Get to my spot. And so that was P. Russ was probably I learned a lot from Russ and. For me, he helped me out the most when I was able to see his approach every single day and what it was like to be an MVP and what it was like to see average a triple-double the entire season. Mm -hmm. The way he took care of his body, the way he prepared, the way he studied, the way he approached the game, his confidence. Like he was, it was like he was kind of like John. I mean, he was kind of like John and P together Mm -hmm. in one. He was a he's a he was a little bit different. Like he was a, a specimen in that way. And that's one thing I always told him. Like he like I averaged thirty one points with Russ. Weren't you? Is that the season that you were behind Steph Curry? Or was that No, I think Steph Steph beat me out. Steph had a he had a good little little last little run. I ran out of gas. He he <laughs> Steph had a good Steph had a great year that year. But um playing with Russ though, I got to see how he averaged that triple double. Cause that's, that's physically hard to do. Like every player knows, like you really have to be locked in. You have to be energized. You have to be in the right spots to get a triple double. Right. And not to mention, you have to make good passes and trust your teammates to make shots because you need assists. So to see him do that every single day and like tell himself, like, no, I'm going to do this. 
even when he was tired, even when he was hurt, even on days he shouldn't even, shouldn't have been playing, like that changed my whole mentality towards the game of basketball. I feel like he took me to another level. Sorry. Oh, good. Why do you think he gets criticized the way that he does? Because he doesn't care about what other people say and think. And he'll tell you that. Like, he had a great quote, the, I think, last week. You know, somebody said, well, what is it going to take for Russ to get back to Russ? And it's like, well, what is that? Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of create, like, these things. Like, oh, that's that's not how, that's not him. That's that's not Brad. That's not Brad. Like, what is that? Like, what do you mean? Like, that's like me telling you, oh, that's not Ellie on her pod. Like, how can I tell you who you are on your pod? How can I tell you what kind of game you're supposed to have? And so I think people hate that Russ is, is vocal about it. Um, but you have to respect what this man has brought to this game. Mm-hmm. Like, his athleticism as a point guard. Like, he he and John, like, those athletic super point guards, that's what I call them, like, super guards, they transition the game. Like, they help transition to the John Morants and the guys that we see now. Like, those were the prototypes. And so, us as players, we respect it. We don't pay attention to the naysayers and, you know, what they say, the negativity. We understand Russ's impact and he's still in the league and he's still being impactful. I also just think people don't realize how hard it is to actually be a professional NBA player, just like to make it. So, I feel like people have all of these expectations and think it's so easy. But, yeah. There's very few of y'all in this world who are actually... 450. Yeah, that's insane. There's billions of people in the world, for one. But if you want a smaller scale of people, there's millions of people that play basketball. Yeah. There's only 450 guys that get to make an NBA team. That's crazy. Um, to end it off with the Wizards, you left this summer. Was it an easy decision? I would say... The trade, the trade this summer was a very difficult one mm-hmm. because we had so many options, mm-hmm. right? And But before that, the toughest thing was hearing that it was time for, for everybody to part ways. Like, there was a, a mutual agreement that, you know, we weren't going to grow past what kind of the course that we ran. Mm-hmm. And I was respectful of that. You know, I was res- respectful that, you know, Winger and, and Will Dawkins, they were able to come and be super professional and just shoot it straight. Like, you know, this is what we want to do. This is what we want for you, you know. And I've, I was beyond appreciative of that, you know, and, and those guys working with me. Deciding a team was tough because, again, we had options, 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 you know. I loved Miami. I loved Milwaukee. Obviously, Phoenix, they were the dark horse. Um, but, you know, you had the Knicks. I love Sacramento's young team. Um, I think there's one more. But those those were like the gist of the teams. Right? Obviously, a lot of people inquired. Like other teams, like everybody was like, oh, do we have a chance? Like, can we get in? And some, some obviously, obviously, I'm here now, but I shot a lot down. But there were a lot that I had to consider. But... The, the decision wasn't easy. It, it wasn't at all, like, because obviously a team had to give up a lot to acquire me, you know? And the last thing that I wanted to do was dismantle a team to the point to where we can't be competitive or we can't go help grow our team, you know? And uh, ironically, 
out of nowhere, here comes here comes Phoenix, right? I was it's probably honestly it was between Miami and Milwaukee at one point, and Miami couldn't do it. Then all of a sudden, I have to turn my attention to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee was was close. They were almost deadline, like about to pull the trigger. And here comes Phoenix as a dark horse, just kind of out of nowhere. And Matt Ishbia, our owner, his pitch was unbelievable. And to hear, you know, his basketball background and hear his passion, um, like his first move was getting KD, like as an owner. Like that's, like you can tell, okay, no, I want to win. And I want to win in the worst way. And his next move was getting me. And so it's like, okay, I can, I like his vision, right? And then the ultimate thing was booking KD signing off on it. Like, Kay was asking me for years to leave Washington. Like, Kay was, Kay's, Kay used to always joke about it, but he's been telling me for years, you know, get out, get out. But once book, once book signed off on it, like, I knew for sure. Cause one, we com- me and book competed. Like, we played the same position in the league and, Granted, he's in, he was in the West, I was in the East, but we, we competed from afar and we respected each other's game. And, uh, at first I thought they were trading book and I'm like, how is this even going to work with money and players and all this? And they're like, no, we have a way to keep you three together. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's crazy. And so I'm, you know, just comparing and contrasting potentially the, the opportunity I'll have, like Phoenix, I weighed a lot of them. And so, uh, Ultimately, again, once those two signed off and you know, I met with Phoenix again, like it was kind of pulled the trigger, kind of kind of was match made. Um, what have you learned so far under Frank Vogel and playing with Katie and Book? One, Frank Vogel is a no BS tolerated coach, mm-hmm. and I love it. Um, he's very he's a player's coach. He gives you that vibe. But he he takes no BS. Like he's a very defensive minded coach, and all of the teams that he's coached in years past, like he's won a ship with the Lakers, they've been top three, four defensively in rating. Like they're a top four team in defense, and so he's he takes pride in that, and he holds us all accountable in that fashion. Us, you know, me, Kay, and Book, all the same way. Like everybody's held accountable in the same fashion, and that's what I like about him. You know, so far, like he's, he's been great, right? And, and playing with K and playing with Book like that, it's, I don't want to just sit here and say it's easy, but it's easy, you know, because we just love to play the game. We make it, you know, strictly about hoops. We make it about getting better. We make it about competing and pushing each other. Um, but we understand that we each have very unique games and we understand we don't, we don't get in the way of that. Like we, we allow each other to spread our wings and have fun and, and just compete. Like we all here for the same thing. And that's what I love about us. Like we, we just want to go win. We want to compete and hoop at the highest level. What do you think is the big difference between Phoenix and Washington that you've noticed so far? You've only been here for two months, but. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Cause every team, every team has its, its differences, mm-hmm. right? And, it's tough for me because I've only been two places, right? But granted, they're both different and unique in their own ways and, and fashions. Uh, but here, you know, I can, there's like a different energy I have here, right? Versus in DC, 
Like I have, I have a new, like profound energy being being here in Phoenix. Um, in DC, it was a it's very grit grind. Like you gotta, it felt like, man, it was. It felt like it was just like that much harder. You know, like you had to work that much harder to make it work. Uh, and in Phoenix, like it's the same work. Like you're still working hard, but. Mm-hmm. It is it's very comforting knowing that I got a lot of firepower to go to work with and not just us three. Like we have a lot of firepower. So that that kind of brings you a sense of like push. Like it changes you mentally. Like it, it pushes you. Like that's what I was saying. Like it it they're very different. Like cause there were there are times in DC where I had that, like that same energy, that same push. Like when Russ was there, I had that. Like that's this is kind of how I feel again. And so it's it's good to be able to get back to that and and embrace it for sure. Are you looking forward to that DC game? Like, do you have it circled or anything? Honestly, I didn't even. I don't even know when we play DC. <laughs> I honestly don't. <laughs> I really don't. I didn't have it circled. Um, I don't know if we go there first if they come to us. For, I don't know I think, what it is. I think you guys play in February. That's so long away, but I don't know. Oh yeah, I'm definitely not even thinking about that. <laughs> That's even. like eons away. Uh. But I'm sure it'll be a fun game. It'll be a fun, very fun game. Um, I'll be excited to be back, see a lot of familiar faces. It'll be weird running out the other tunnel and going to the other locker room and all that. But uh, DC will forever be home. It'll forever be home. It was it was an amazing 11 years, for sure. Just a, a couple more questions. It's not really like basketball related. JJ asked me this question in the summer, and I was like, I have to ask him. Okay. Um, what do you think had a better summer? You... Nelly, Jason Tatum, or Sexy Red coming out of St. Louis? Oh, right now, I ain't gonna lie. Me and Jay, we didn't really do nothing this summer. We didn't we didn't really make no noises. What did Jay do? Uh, I mean, Jay, he, he, Jay got a shoe coming out, but I'll let him tell that. Uh, I would say, Sexy Red might be, she might be at the top right now. She might be winning right now. And Nelly a close second, man. He got, he got Ashanti back, man. Like that's, that's, that's big news. That's big news for the guys, man. You know, the guys is up again. You know, we back. You have a favorite Sexy Red? No, no, no. She knows she, no, no. I love her to death though. Keep putting on for the city. Mm-mm. <laughs> <Me> for- <laughs> what was it like being on stage at the Drake show? Cause you were at that little DJ station. I went to a lot of Drake shows this year. I probably went to about five. That's really nice. That's a blessing. It's a blessing. You know a few people. Right. <laughs> so, but like, no, it's, was it's, it weird or was it like? Like, it's, how can I explain it? Like, it's kind of motivative. It's like, Cause like we hear it from them. Like I've, I've talked to J. Cole before. Like, and he said it. It's like when we, like when they come to our games and see us in our craft, like, like they, that like motivates them, like to keep going, like to put more music out, to be better versions of themselves. And like when you see Drake performing or J. Cole, whoever it is, like in front of thousands of like the same fans that you play in front of and maybe even more, like, and to do it for 
two, three, four hours. That's insane. That is insane. Right. And to travel and do it night after night, night after night, maybe one, two days of rest in between. Like that's like, like you were, you relate to the grind. Right. And so you do nothing but respect that. And you kind of have like a huge, like a whole new profound, like appreciation to his craft and the artists, you know, because you, you see the work that he had to put in, like the production, like the money he put into that, like to make it like a story, to make it like pop, like that's. Like at that show, I kind of, I mean, I knew how many hits he had because Drake stayed over here. But I feel like he has so many songs. Yes. But the songs that I wanted to, I was like, oh, I understand why he couldn't play He them. can't play everything. But like, it's insane. It's, it is, I would love to, to be in his shoes, but I would hate it. Like, because you just got so much in your you arsenal. You can't please everyone. You can't please everybody. And, and I think that's, that, that's something that they deal with a lot, I'm sure. Like, I wouldn't know what type of music, what type of album to put out. Like, I'm gonna put something out of that one here. <laughs> I don't care if you like it, but I mean, they so they have a very profound way of moving. So as athletes, and when you see them in their craft, like it's nothing but respect for sure. Two things: one, outside of O3 Adolescence, what's your favorite J Cole song, and mm. what's your favorite Drake song or top? I don't song. That's un- that's, oh, that is so that's unfair. Such a load of, yeah, it's yeah, a load that of is questions. so unfair. Or a song that you go back to and listen a lot. The whole off-season. The whole off-season. The whole Four Seals Drive. My favorite J. Cole song is Lost One. Lost One. Yeah? That's old, Cole. I see you. Okay, uh, true fan. I'm in eighth grade. That's a true fan there. That's a true fan. I love that. Ooh, my favorite Cole song. Love yours. Never be happy till you love yours. That song made me cry a couple times. Hey, it'll be. It's like, damn, it's kind of. It'll make lame. you think of that and slipping. Them my, those are my, you know, they're my joints. But love yours is love yours is a hit. That'll never grow old. But the off season, sure. I can damn near recite every word on that album. I didn't like that album until you told me to run it back. I changed my mind after you told me to listen to it again, and I did. Shame me, Nicole. Shame. I love it now, but my, okay, in my defense, my favorite J. Cole album is For Your Eyes Only, so I feel like Thoughts. Okay. Thoughts season was like a That's a curveball. It's an underrated album. It is. It is. That's why I said it's a curveball. It's very underrated. You think I don't know? I know. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you shocking me a little bit. What? Despite, I feel like the one thing that like we talk about the most is music. You're not really a fan of my music t- takes, but, um, yeah, she she's not the greatest. That's you are the only person. Follow her that. Apple. You know you can so follow people on Apple now. You know you can. I use Spotify. Oh, have Apple, but always gotta be difficult. No, I don't. Oh, you can, you know you can ask about my DJing skills. KCP. What was it like playing with KCP? Oh man, KCP is one of my best friends in life. Uh, we grew up competing against each other, playing against each other. We're the same age, same grade. Uh, playing AU basketball against each other, uh, going to LeBron camp, being roommates, being two very quiet guys. Like you can hear a mouse running across the room. Uh, two country guys, 
like we we just embrace each other. Uh, it was it was it's always fun when you have an opportunity to be able to live out a dream with your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you don't think is ever possible, and you you always see each other from afar, and you wit you know you you root each other on, and you compete when you you know you're competing. But to share the floor with him is that was fun. Like that was. Those are fun times. As somebody, you know, every single night I know I got his back. He got my back, you know. Um, and, yeah, he's a true brother. He's, he was a true trooper. I'm, I hate that we didn't do right by him, but it's business. Now he got a ring. Now look at us. <laughs> You're nuts. Man, hope so. Hopefully. You hear me? Well, I feel like this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, man, I appreciate you. Whenever you want me on, listen, I could be your co-host. Listen, I want me, you know, I have it on video. I will ask you back. You know, I will. But I really appreciate you doing this because I feel like it's only right. Thank you for having me. This is fun. All right. We're done. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 